Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming to another episode of My Angular Story. I'm your host, Aaron Frost. And today, as a guest, we've got David Cooper. David, go ahead and say hi. Hey, everybody. Uh, we've got, so Dave, you're, you, you're in London, but you sound like you're Australian. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of an accent still there. Um, I moved to London uh, about four years ago. All right. um, and yep, I'm slowly losing that accent, uh, which, yeah, it's a bit heartbreaking. Yeah, you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose your accent. <laughs> no, I'm sure I'm I'm due to go out there in April. I'm sure I'll get it back pretty quickly. Yeah, it should. I'm imagining you'll just like roll right into it. <laughs> yeah. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So I speak Spanish, and I kind of, I'm like this weird, I kind of, adopt the accent of whatever country I'm in. Like, so yeah. if I'm in Mexico and here, here's the one thing I always speak with like Mexican slang terms. Cause that's where I learned was when I lived in Mexico. Yep. But if I go to, if I'm speaking with people from like Colombia or Argentina, I, I just kind of adopt their accent. So it's kind of, I kind of feel you on that front. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's a very cool thing, um, how that actually like works, but, um, it, it's, also very annoying because whenever I talk to anyone from back home, they're like, oh, you sound English now. And I'm like, that's the first thing that everyone says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, when, <laughs> when I lived in Mexico, people, when I came home, I lived there for two years and I came home, people were like, dude, you, you speak English with like, uh, like you sound like a Latino, <laughs> but I definitely don't look Latino. And so people, people thought that was funny, but yeah. Um, I know how you feel, man. I felt it. I felt it before. So, Dave, you're you're an Angular developer. That's why you're on the podcast. Yeah. How long have you been working with Angular? Um, so I've been working with Angular for a little while now. Um, I guess the first time that I was sort of introduced to it was a really long time ago. It was, I, I'm not not sure what version of it, it would have been, um, but it was when I was at my second job. So it might have been like seven years ago or something like that. Um, so back back in Australia. Yep, yep, back in Perth in Australia, and I was working in an internet services provider, and one of the one of the guys there had started building like a, a sort of like a CI C D server back before well when when I guess when the only thing available was probably Jenkins or, or, or whatever that sort of people had heard of or used. Yeah, and true. Yeah. He, he'd started and it was like back when like people were making the switch from like SBN or CBS to Git. Yeah. And he, he'd started building a front end for it. And, you know, back, I, I think we were using jQuery mainly, or maybe not even jQuery. Um, and he, he showed everyone this thing, this thing Angular, and it's talking about two-way binding and, and all of this stuff. And everyone's like, minds were blown. 
Um, and I guess like back then it was just some sort of like magical black box. And then I sort of, I tried understanding that and try, this is like, I, I was still pretty new to web development in general then. So a lot of it was like magical and didn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me. And then when I got my next job, I, or maybe it was a job after that. I can't quite remember. Um, I moved to Sydney and I remember the the job the job ad was sort of talking about you know you need Angular JS experience and I didn't really have that much Angular JS experience so I remember yeah. um, I remember I flew into Sydney the day before the interview and I caught up with a friend and I thought it's all right I'll um I'll, I'll go and have some drinks with my friend and uh, back in the hotel room I'll just quickly whip up a little a little hello world and I'm sure that I can I can get my way through this interview. And ended up having about 10 too many drinks um, and sort of drunkenly coding some stuff up in my hotel room that night before the interview. And it turned out that the thing that I'd built uh, whilst in the state I was in was almost identical to the question that they like, the, the sort of tech test that they'd given me in the interview. It was like a little, a little thing where you put in a GitHub username and it would like render out like some statistics about a GitHub account or, or whatever. Uh. Um, so it was one of the luckiest uh, and most ridiculous things that I think I've encountered in my in my career. But it it paid off, and ever since then, I guess um, I, I I've loved it. I mean, I've I've sort of dabbled with pretty much so, all of. So yeah. I'm guessing you got the job. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> so yeah, so you're, you're just at home messing around with this thing, and you just happened to demo up what they were about to ask you the next day in your interview. So it sounds like you probably killed your interview. Like you did awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, they, they sort of gave me this question. I think they, I think they gave me quite a long time. I think the, the, the guys that asked me the question, they sort of said, all right, we'll come back in a couple of hours and see what you see, what you can do. And I remember messaging uh, my mate that I was out with the night before being like, you never guess what just happened. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, so I nailed that. And that was, that was really cool. That was, uh, that was a really eye opening experience. Actually, that job, it was, all sorts of crazy stuff having to that was sort of like my first angular job but also i had to uh i had to write very performant code there um for the for the job that i was doing so that was really cool um bit of a bit of a sort of jump in the deep end sort of experience right 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 so uh huh that's interesting i i don't think i've ever had that happen where <clears throat> i was like perfectly prepared for the interview <laughs> Yeah, I've, it's never happened to me since. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so how long did it? I'm guessing it didn't take you the two hours, or, or did it take you the? No, I, I just, I just smashed it out. I think at the very beginning, um, I, I said to the, I said to them that I'd done something very similar the night before, and, and I think I demoed it off to them, and then they sort of just left me to it to sort of polish it up, and I just had to to refactor some things and tweak some things. Huh. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it worked out pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's so funny. I wonder how many of the listeners have had that happen to them before. I mean, I, I know plenty of them will have been in the scenario that I've been in, which is I didn't nail the interview. Like I totally messed it up. But I'm sure I'm sure others have uh, have experienced something a bit uh, a bit more like you. So I'd be interested. Tweet at us. I want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to hear about it. <laughs> if you ever nailed your interview because you practiced something the night before the exact thing they about to ask you, I guess, uh, I guess tweet out at me. I want to hear. <laughs> um, so 
So yeah. All right. So you started seven years ago. It sounds like six years ago you started bugging around with Angular, and uh, you're still using it. Um. Yeah. So I use I use a, a few different things, I guess, in my day to day job. Um. Like, uh, where I'm currently working. Um. There's there's a little bit of everything floating around there. Like I've I've been at this job for about three years now. And when I started, there was actually quite a lot of Angular JS still floating around. And it was actually quite interesting because that year uh, I went to an uh, Angular Connect and I remember during the keynote, I can't remember who was doing the keynote that year, but there was sort of like talking about, I don't know what version of Angular, it might have been just when Angular 2 just came out. Um, and they were talking about like, you know, everyone's thinking, everyone in the crowd's thinking, yeah, okay, all well, these Google guys, they must be all using the, the latest and greatest. And I think at the time they still had about 75% Angular JS in their code bases. Um, and sort of talking about their plans to migrate across. And so that was like, it was quite interesting, like hearing about that and then seeing what was happening in my work. And then over time, we've we've refactored a lot of applications either to the, the latest version of Angular um, or going from AngularJS to Angular, um, or maybe something's moved across to React. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you have to censor out anytime someone says React on this podcast yeah. or- uh, They didn't yeah, hear it. Just, they just, heard, <laughs> just they sure to beep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they think you said the F word. They're, yeah. They don't know. They don't know what happened. Yeah, it's probably preferable to say the F word over that accent. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna bleep out both, so you know as well. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Now nah, we, I mean, React makes Angular better, so we. we oh yeah, that. absolutely. Um, I mean, you could go on about that for days, but yeah, no, they've definitely helped each other so much. I mean, the state of web frameworks these days, like a. a any any web framework that's still being maintained at the moment is like absolutely incredible to work with. Like, it's yep. yeah, it, it's such the the web development space is just such a such an an amazing sort of space to be working in now than it was like five years ago, which isn't a lot of time like to have passed and yeah. so much has changed. You know, that's everything's true. everything's using TypeScript now as well, which is like the best thing ever. Um, yep. Yeah, so it's like it, it's very very cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. Yo, I mean, I look at Angular, and, you know, I compare it as a framework to, you know, like React or Vue. And I think that I see advantages in a lot of them, mm -hmm. but Angular, Angular heavily, heavy, heavy, Angular's heavy opinions towards you will use TypeScript is such a massive, like, all right, I like Angular a little bit more than the rest because it's, and then they also like really, really push you to use RxJS. And yeah. for me, RxJS is the greatest technology on the web right now. And so I'm like, I look at, those two opinions of Angular, and they really, really forced me to be like, yeah, Angular's, I like Angular the most by far. Like, Angular's fantastic. Yeah. It's, but it's, 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 it's largely due because I absolutely love TypeScript, and I absolutely love um, RxJS. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, just the whole, like, reactive programming observables and all of that. It's, like, you look at it now, and you're sort of, you know, that's obviously sort of like your go-to way of thinking about solving problems and, and structuring, yeah. like how, how you're going to do these things. And like, 
you look back and be like a couple of years ago, like you'd have never thought like that, but you sort of like grabbing your hair being like, why on earth wasn't this always available? Like, why wasn't this always just a thing? Yeah. 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 Like I look at observables and, and I'm like, wait, how did promises survive so long? Yeah. Like it's, um, it's insane. Not that promises aren't good. It's just that observables are so much more superior. Yeah. And it's just so much neater. Promises are single use how, and, and observables aren't. How did, <laughs> How did single-use promises last for so long? <laughs> that's, it, that, that's my question. Is it just seems intense? Yeah. I, so, so yeah. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I think that like one of the biggest things is it's it's taken, I guess, the front-end community so much longer to think of solving problems in functional terms. Um, like that's now like becoming such a big thing in the front-end space. But it definitely wasn't like that. Yeah. Like everything was so. OO based, um, like you're thinking like when just like people trying to write classes in, in like ES5 um, and having like anything that you, where you had to mess around with prototypes and inheritance and yeah. stuff like that. And it's just like, it's so yeah. gross to think that people used to work like that. But, um, know. you know, once again, like it, that was only a few years ago. It really wasn't that long ago that people yeah. were thinking like that. And really here we are. That long at all. Yeah. 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 So one thing, you know, when we talk, when we say reactive programming, I think people, I, if you don't know what that means, you really get lost at when, when we say what is reactive. And I think it makes people feel like, ah, oh, I'm not smart enough. And I think it makes them shy away a little bit from the conversation because they're like, I don't know what it is. So I can't talk about it. Um, so I've, I've focused a lot recently on trying to teach the reactive piece of Angular and just the concept of reactive programming because I feel like it's such an important thing. And uh, in teaching that, I mean, when you learn Rx, tell me, tell me if this happened to you. You basically write your code differently once you understand it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, and it, sorry, go ahead. Oh, just like, I think the, the thing that just like springs to mind, is like sort of bringing this back to Angular as well, is making a HTTP request. Yeah. Like just the, even just doing that, like subscribing to that observable. And um, I think that there's, there's quite a, even just doing that is quite a learning curve. Um, and there's so many like different concepts. If you've never like come across that before, um, I still remember when it was first introduced to me. And I just remember reading like the RxJS documentation, which is absolutely amazing, but it's so much, information to absorb it's so it, like, it's so much to take in and, and then it's so much it's so like it takes such a long time and it's quite a process to like think of term think of things in terms of like like reactive programming or think of t things in terms of observables it like sort of reminds me of when like things like map and filter and reduce are sort of introduced to you and you need to move away from like mutable data structures and using for loops for everything and then eventually one day it just clicks and you start thinking of terms, you, you start thinking of things in terms of those, you know, mapping and, and filtering and all of that. Yeah. Um, I, uh, so like it's, I try, it's, it's hard to help people like get, get, get across that initial like aha moment. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, I struggle teaching it because it was so hard for me that I'm like, Oh man, how do I teach this? this thing that was so hard for me um and 
I've come up in my mind of this of a way that it makes sense to me, but I don't think it makes sense to other people. Like, like when you when you say hey, declarative coding versus imperative coding, those two words largely don't have any significance to most people. Like I, they certainly did it to me. But but once I understood what RX did to my programming style, I was like, oh, I now just declare things. I don't actually, I don't actually. Um, write much more like my click handlers are, are nothing more than just setting variables. Like I don't actually do HTTPs in my click handler. You know, it's like, I, I, I just say, Hey, put this into that observable. And then the observable that was already declared, like freaks out and does all this stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so like trying to help people understand, Hey, your code before RX, you wrote declarative code and, or sorry, imperative code. And afterwards, you're going to write declarative. Um, getting them over that hurdle, what does that mean, though? It feels scary to say you're going to code differently, but like you are going to code differently, right? Yeah, and there's, there's then no you never look it. back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. You'll, you won't look back once it happens. Yeah, yeah. As soon as, as, soon as you have the light bulb moment, that's it. You, 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 you'll be uh, subscribed to that sort of way of thinking for good. Yeah. So, uh, so have you, what kind of, what kind of unique experiences have you had around Angular? Like, have you, have you worked with open source? Have you given talks at conferences? Are you doing blogs? Like talk to us yeah. about, Hey, who's Dave? <laughs> who's Dave? That's a very, yeah. very deep question. Um, yeah. well, I guess like stuff I've been doing in the community, um, just in, in general over like the last few years and all of that. Um, I, as soon as I moved to London, I started doing as much talking at like meetups ar around uh, London and Bristol um, because of my, my work has an office in Bristol. So I do a bit of travel there. So there's a couple of meetups there. Um, so I, I, love, I love doing public speaking. And then this year I just did my, my first ever conference talk actually, um, which was at, at Angular Connect. Hello. Um, which is, yeah, yeah, which was pretty awesome. Um, it was a pretty, I guess like for a first sort of, conference talk it was a pretty big stage yeah um, that's crazy you went from zero to <laughs> angular connect that's big yeah um i absolutely loved it i was so nervous because i was talking in the slightly smaller room and there was a there was a deep dive talk going on in the other room uh at the same time as me and i thought well that's it i'm gonna go out four people turn up to my room because people love a deep dive talk like they're they're, they're my favorite types of talks as well yeah. um and and, but I, like, I think I had a full room when I was doing it. I, it was it was really really exciting. Um, and it was just after um, my my baby was just born, um, so my fiance and baby were there as well. Um, pulled them up on stage to embarrass them. Uh, so that was really really cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, absolutely. And I just I just submitted a CFP for NGConf uh, for oh, next geez. year. Oh, yeah. Geez. So um, um, yeah, that's that's really exciting as well. Um, and then around, like, I guess, open source and stuff, I created, um, a data mocking library, uh, called data mocks, uh, which is what I, sp I spoke about the, the topic of data mocking at, at Angular Connect. And that's got a bit of traction. Um, and I'm sort of, that's starting to ramp up as well. Like it's getting, I think it's up to maybe about four, 4,000 downloads a month or something like that, which I'm really happy with. Um, so wait, I'm, what, what is this that's 4,000 downloads a month? Um, this, so so it just gives you a way of um, 
through your, like, it's a, a code config that you specify a bunch of endpoints in your application that you want to mock out. Um, okay. And so it's just matched on the, the endpoint name and you can do a regular expression against that. Uh, and then you can just specify what you want the response to be. Um, and then in your code, it won't actually, it'll just intercept the, the HTTP calls um, and, and give back canned responses. Um, so, so this, would this be for like testing or what would this be for? So this is, I guess, and th that's the biggest question that I get around it as well. And this is the thing that I'm most passionate about, which is it's not for testing, it's for actually doing local development. So when, if yeah. you're developing a feature or trying to reproduce a bug or, you know, just trying to make a general improvement on your application, rather than connecting out to, you know, either a production environment or a UAT environment or whatever, where you're actually touching real data in, in databases and, and it, things immediately become unpredictable or maybe, you know, you don't really want to be mutating someone's actual like data. Um, yeah. this, this allows you to completely circumvent that. Uh, you don't need any sort of like network connection. Um, and you can, it, it's really, it means that as well as that you don't need to rely on an endpoint existing to be able to develop your, your features. Um, so, whether that's whether it's you having to write that endpoint yourself, or if you're relying on a backend engineer or, or just some other engineer to write that endpoint for you, you can still crack on and uh, and and you know write your features, fix your bugs without without needing those endpoints to be available all the time. Adventures in Angular is a devchat.tv production made in partnership with Hero Devs. Hero Devs is a group of Angular experts who can help your team code like true developer heroes. If your team needs an Angular expert, reach out to Aaron at hero.dev today. So um, it sounds to me like um, it would be a really good teaching tool as well. Like if I was going to give a workshop, and I wanted people to practice using Angular and making HTTP calls, they could, and they wouldn't actually have to send up the backend though. So it would make my NPM install much lighter. Like they wouldn't have to, you know, run a local host or whatever to, to get data going, or I wouldn't have to have like a, a you know, a, an EC2 running that would serve everybody. Like I could just do some in-browser memory yep. stuff. Absolutely. Um, I think, I actually think that uh, the Angular CLI, I'd love to see it provide some sort of mocking solution so, to achieve the same thing, like, so that you can just say, hey, Angular CI, uh, CLI, spin up this application um, and, and provide a flag to tell it to give you some mock, like, uh, give you the ability to, to mock data out, and then you can immediately begin doing feature work. So um, what's the name of this package? It's called DataMox. Um, it's on NPM. Data mocks. Uh, yeah, data dash mocks. Um, and yeah, I absolutely love it. I, I love all things testing and, and mocking and all of that because I think it's just a, a space that everyone everyone is sort of being stuck in the same frame of mind uh, uh, of how we, we do these sorts of things. And I think this changes it up a little bit um, just in the way that we think about things like it isn't absolutely necessary to be using real data or or you know, a, st a shared environment database or anything like that. Um, because I think that a lot of the time, bad things have a real potential to happen. Like if you're touching live data, then if you make any sort of write operation to anything, you know, you could be, you could be impacting a customer or a user, or if you're using a shared environment, like a shared development environment, yeah. you know, someone else might be reliant, you know, if you've just pulled up a customer and you've just changed their, 
I don't know, their address or whatever, and someone else yeah. was relying on that to be in a particular state. Um, I think that, that that's definitely like a, a really a big one. And then I guess like the other, the biggest, well, not the biggest thing, but one of the biggest things is that um, if I say to, you know, I, I could say to anyone with their, their applications, you know, bring me up a customer that, I don't know if it's like a banking application, bring me up a customer that has three accounts, two of them are in credit, one of them's in debit, and, you know, their, their latest credit card payment is late or whatever. Um, like, I don't want to have to go and mess around in a database and, and you know, for, like force a customer to be in, in that particular state. I'd rather just have some solution that I can just say, you know, in, in Datamox, we, there's the concept of a scenario. Um, and you, you could just like say scenario, two accounts good, one account bad. And then you can define what the responses look like for that. Hmm. Um, and yeah, it's super is, quick and easy nice. to get going. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, nice. yeah I, I absolutely love it. Um, but I would say that considering that I'm the guy that wrote it, but it's, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's, I just think it's a very cool idea. That is a cool idea. Um, well, that's awesome. Um, I love seeing people with, uh, with uh, open source libraries like that. I can't find it. I was looking while you were talking. I think Ward Bell wrote something very similar. Um, I think I think it's like in browser backend, or I can't remember. I can't remember what he called it, but I feel like Deborah Carrada has done some trainings with with something like this before. So I absolutely cool. love the idea. I love the yeah. idea of people having ways to not have a backend, whether it's for development or for teaching. I love that yeah. as, as an option. So um, I've just pinged you the link to it in the chat there, actually. Um, right, so cool. cool. Yeah. So we'll have we'll have a we'll have a link to it in the show notes um, for for anyone who wants to go check it out. Well, cool. Um, so is there any last like if is there anything else that you'd like? Hey, if I was going to say one thing about me, this is what I would say. <laughs> um, I'm just, not too just sure. to help people get to know you a little. So. Um, I guess one like. I'm definitely one of those people that is more on the cowboy side of things. I, I love just having an idea or hearing an idea and immediately just start, start to get code down, start to build things out, iterate on things. It's just, I, 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 I just, I guess I'm probably a little bit hyperactive in that sense. I just love to, to do things, get things done, um, you know, make mistakes quickly. And I, I think that's, it also makes things really fun rather than standing around whiteboards all day, trying to over-architect things. Um, totally. Just, just get it done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I um, like it. And I, I, I love, I guess the other thing that I just love to, I, I love to talk to people about any, anything to do with software or, or web development or anything like that. It's, it's, I, I think it's just so much fun. Cool. If, uh, if people out there, want to get a hold of you or um, they want to ask you some questions, what's the easiest way for, for them to get a hold of you? Um, you can get a hold of me on Twitter. Um, okay. I think my Twitter handle is Dave writes codes. Um, or, or um, you can get me on email as well. That's probably a good place. Dave at Dave Cooper.org um, is a pretty good way of getting in contact with me. Um, but yeah, that's, that, those are probably the, the two places. Yeah. Dave writes codes at Dave writes codes spelled just like it sounds. Uh, I found him. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. So if you want to, if you have any questions, feel free to, uh, to reach out to, uh, to Dave. 
Uh, all right. So, Dave, we're going to move on to the last, the kind of the closing portion of the podcast. It's called The Picks. You get to pick uh, something that you really like and that you want to share with, uh, with other people. So I'm going to do a pick. Um, it doesn't have to be related to programming. It can be if you want it to be, though. So I'm going to pick uh, – I've, I've picked it recently, but uh, it happened again, so I'm going to pick it again. Yep. There's this television show. It's been on for years. Like a lot of millennials think like, wow, that's still on. It's called, um, it's called Survivor. And um, oh, I love Survivor. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't get enough of Survivor. Uh, I had a, a, one of my friends went on a few years ago, and I was already an addict, but ever since then I've been more of an addict. I just lost like 80 pounds because I, I really, oh, wow. really I, – I, I don't want to die. That's why I lost the weight. <laughs> But an ancillary goal was I want to go trial for Survivor. I think I could. I think I could kill it. Anyway, um, this season though, this 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 season that's currently playing in the states um, is uh, it's got some really strong social messaging. Like Survivor's never really had strong social messaging. Like once in a while there will be talk of like an all girls alliance and how women are powerful, right? But but other than that specific scenario there's not a lot of social messaging in inside survivor right and they don't really call out hey why do why do black people get voted out first like that that sucks why does that why does that continue to happen season after season right yeah well this season they're talking about those things and it's not necessarily the show owners it's the contestants on the island they just got like a really good um cluster of people and they're talking about these things that are like impactful and like I, I i watch these shows with my kids and like i get like chills and a couple of times i've even like teared up a little bit and my kids are like what's the matter i'm like oh, that was just a really good message you know what they're teaching so i'm gonna pick because this season two things that i really care about have crossed into and inter they've intersected which is i really like survivor and i really care about um equality and people treating each other excellently and so uh, it's it, the two things that kind of crossed over. So I'm going to pick again, Survivor. So that's my pick is Survivor. <laughs> you got any picks, bro? Oh man, this is um this is a really a really tough one. But I, I'm sure people um struggle a bit with this one. Um, I guess something that um something that I am really uh really interested. I guess okay, I'll this will be um. This will be a, a pretty nerdy one. Okay. Back in Australia, um, I used to uh, I used to run. Uh, well, I started up a company, uh, and then I sold it. And people always ask, you know, what what company um, what company did you start up? And I always have to start it off with it sounds a lot more dodgy than it is, which then makes it sound even dodgier than that. Um, <laughs> But um, it was it was a, a company that uh, we we bought and sold uh, locksmithing supplies, and then people sometimes ask, "What's a locksmithing su supply?" And I'm I'm talking about like lock picks and yeah, yeah. And, and tools like that. Um, basically, we saw uh, me and this other guy that started it. We just saw that there were no real like retailers of, of um, lock picking stuff in Australia. And the stuff that you could get was really, really like cheap, flimsy. It, it was it was really poor quality stuff. And so we decided that we would see if we can strike up some wholesale agreements with some of the sort of more rec 
reputable manufacturers and we sort of got that started out we we just sunk a little bit of cash into the the, the company each just to get things going and it, it it took off really really well um and one of the things that we would always get when we would talk to people about this sort of thing is you know they'd always say oh don't you know that's illegal and you know why would you be supplying um you know thing uh, supplying tools to help criminals you know break into places um to which that we always had to sort of say well actually in australia it's not illegal to to buy or own um those things uh but the other thing as well is that it isn't it isn't really criminals that are using these things it's either locksmiths professionals yeah yeah there's professionals but the the thing that i i want to pick here is the um it's actually the lock sport community um which is like it, it's a like competitive lock picking uh which is a really really cool thing and commu- the communities around it in australia are massive um you know they hold these big competitions and you know where you could like sort of they have they have all sorts of like i guess you call them events where you know you have to you know pick x and x amount of locks in the fastest amount of time or there's just a really hard lock and whoever can do it first so those sorts of things um and it's like a super it's a super nerdy thing but i think it's just like a really cool thing that pe- people if you if you're interested in in i guess the mechanics of how locks work and the different types of locks and all of that um i i de- i'd implore people to see if they they do have a local lock sport community uh and if they don't maybe even try and start one themselves nice nice uh so if one, if some if people wanted to check it out where would they go check kind of check out to learn more about this um it depends where they are um it i i'd probably check out meetup um meetup usually have some stuff it really depends where you are in the world like it, there'll be different some some countries have like a more like forum based some of them are just based on meetup and all of that um so I just have a little Google, have a look on Meetup. I'm sure that you'll be able to find something. Okay, so check it out. Uh, become a locksmithy. It'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> that's the pick. All right, Dave, uh, thanks for coming on. I'm glad I got a chance to chat with you and meet you. Uh, if you're a friend of Ed, I'm glad that we're friends. And um, <laughs> I, I would say, I'm going to say good luck on the, on the NGConf talk picks. Uh, you know, only a small fraction of the amount of people that submit get picked. So I will say good luck. Because <laughs> Thank you very much, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> but as far as um, just being good in the community, I appreciate it. And thanks for, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much. And to the listeners, I'll say thanks for, thanks for being a part of this. And we'll catch you next time. Peace. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.